So, today's the first day. All these stimulus checks have been going out. I'm talking not just you, everybody out there. You know what that means, right? Everyone's going to be stimulated? No, we should have a large influx to our Patreon account now. <laughs> Did you just do a shameless plug in the first 10 seconds of this show? There was no shame in that, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> shameless? I said shameless. <laughs> yeah, I said there's no shame there. Oh, no, yes, I'm... Yeah, I... I... I had oh, one of those uh, PBR coffees before we started that tonight. Was pretty, that was pretty good. I, I had one too. So, Man, I thought those we were going to start with something else tonight. You did? Yeah, but I can't remember what it is. Like my venture's getting here tonight? We can start. Well, we can talk uh, about that in a minute. You got something else first? No. So we'll start with that. <laughs> All right. We'll have a good show today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up, here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right, John. Um, episode 53, mm-hmm. we already know what we're going to talk about yes, tonight. But the beginning of the You end. know what? The thing is here, I got to say that, um, you know, not that I'm an advocate for the other side, the dark side here, mm-hmm. but uh, your side didn't look too good today. The Jeep side? No, the, the manual side. It had nothing to do with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. All nah, right. I'm I'm pretty convinced. So so obviously you guys don't know yet. Uh, Pegasus had some hiccups on the way here tonight. Uh, recording day almost did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of started losing power, stalled out about halfway to the studio tonight. So I simply get it started, turned around, head back. It stalled out three more times on my way home. Lost power five or six times. Well, I get that uh, it's a diesel, but you do realize you still have to put fuel in it every once in a oh, while. Oh, it's got over half a tank of fuel. The problem was, and I, I discussed this on one of the episodes, I used up an old fuel can. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sediment, a lot of crap on the bottom, and I think there was probably a little bit of water at least mixed in with that or something that clogged up the fuel filter. Well, that's why you got to drain the water off first, <clears> and then you got to... You got to filter it through like a coffee filter or something. Yeah, I stupidly relied on the uh, the little screen on the end of my jerry can filler. So what I'm gonna? No. Yeah, obviously. No. So the problem is, I've got three filters on this thing: one on the pump, an external one outside of the fuel tank, and then there's one on the return side of it on the engine. Okay. I only have two out of the three filters. I'm pretty certain there's a bypass, an automatic bypass kind of thing on the one that's in the fuel tank. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with TJ fuel tanks, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm still because I'm still running it's still the, the gas stock pump. TJ fuel yeah, tank. Yeah, okay, the stock. Right, right. The only modification of the fuel tank itself is a return line that I plumbed in there. Oh, okay. Everything else is still stock TJ. Didn't have a fuel line return already in it. No, no, T- they don't. TJ's a returnless system. Yep. Ew. It's got a pressure right. regulator on the top, and it just sends out. That's okay. all it does. So aside from that, that's still stock. So I'm going to replace both the other fuel filters. I'm, I'm certain it's going to be the nice 
external high performance one that I installed. The other okay. one's probably fine, but I've got it, so I'm gonna swap it. I haven't done it yet this year, anyways. And then run some diesel nine one one, cross my fingers, and see what happens. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's <laughs> so, a that's all you can do sometime. Me. But yeah, needless to say, it was an interesting drive home. I've never popped the clutch to get this one started, though. I did that. Did it work? It did. Yeah. I, so you I was, stalled out at a stop sign or at a rolling stop or something? No, or in the middle of a turn with oncoming traffic. Oh, yeah. I had to yeah. crank that wheel and pray, man. Yeah, and, that'll uh, happen. Yeah, I let off the clutch. It fired right up. And from that point to where my parking space in the driveway, it was fine. No issues whatsoever. Well, of course, that's the beauty of a manual <laughs> transmission. Uh-huh. At least the until they started putting electronic over controls and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you can... You know, an old manual transmission up to mid 1980s, probably mm-hmm. started putting the the clutch digi- disengagement in there, yeah. or the clutch safety switch. You can pop a clutch in gear if you have a dead starter, dead electrical yeah. system, whatever, and you and can fire I've, that baby. I've had up. to do that with uh, Project XJ pre all the work a few times. Was the the starter and the battery had a lot of issues on that. It was the starter solenoids would they'd cake up with uh, corrosion, mm. so we had to clean them a lot and. Yeah, more than a few times. We were, I remember we were at some guy's house. You were getting boulders or rocks or something my mom found on Craigslist. And it, it wouldn't start. Turn the key, nothing happens. It's like, well, it's a manual. The guy's like, well, I got a tractor I can push with, see if we can get it started. <laughs> so the guy bumped the back with a back or a tractor, yeah. <laughs> fired right up, and away we went. Exactly. Was great. I love them. My, my, you know, I've grown up on a farm and. Uh, having manuals Mm -hmm. regularly up until even now, yeah, I've done that numerous times. You know, when you're at a bonfire in the sticks, and a mutual friend of ours, Jason, okay, he used to have a manual focus Ford Focus, yeah, ooh, okay, and we were in the middle of nowhere, we had no automatic focus, but okay, Yeah, yeah. yeah, all right. So, we were out there one night, he was just cranking the music all night, you know, daylight's coming up, time to go home. Car wouldn't start. Okay. There were four of us, varying stages of consumption of uh, alcoholic beverages in the night. So, right. oh, we'll push start it. So we went backwards and tried it, and then we went forwards and tried it, and we could never seem to get it going fast enough. Then he realized he had the parking brake on. <laughs> that also was a clutch safety switch. Yeah, well, he had the clutch in. I mean, he knew he knew we we got it going. He, yeah, we just we hadn't gotten we've been able to get it going fast enough. Oh, okay. So we got just enough speed, and he dumped it, fired right up, and all was fine. Okay. Well, I was gonna tell you so, what yeah. about when I was in high school. I was driving my dad's old '53 Chevy pickup truck, mm-hmm. which I still own today. Nice. Um, straight six, three on the tree, six volt system. The six Never volt system in that thing was a nightmare. It I would constantly. It, it just. It barely had enough, even with a fresh six volt battery, it barely had mm-hmm. enough power to start the vehicle. Oof. And so it would die randomly all the time, and we yeah. would push start that thing. Nice. Well, I was dating this girl. I'm out at her place. Uh, we went somewhere. I don't remember where we so went. So that was, that was the story. Oh, it won't start. And things just kind of went. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't one of those. Uh, Isn't that how the Thriller music video? I was started trying to get her rain? home. I think it was a curfew thing or something. Uh, but right, pouring, right. pouring rain, <laughs> pouring rain. I cannot get the truck started. I mean, mm. it's just cranking. A, you know, just not enough. Like cold diesel in the winter. So I said to her, <laughs> I said, "Hey, I go. We're gonna push start this." Mm-hmm. Showed her. I says, 
All you got to do is you got to push your foot down on this, shoulder the clutch pedal. I said, I'll put it in gear here, first gear. I said, I'm going to mm-hmm. push it from the back. It was a pretty light truck. I said, as soon as I yell, you let go of the clutch pedal and this thing should start. And then as soon as it starts, push the clutch pedal back in. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple instructions, if I say so myself. I, mean, I, I would think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She fre- We tried it like two or three times, and she's <clears throat> freaking out. And mm-hmm. she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. She's like, I'll just get out and push. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no. And she's like, yeah, I'll do this. So sure enough, here's my girlfriend back behind me. <laughs> Pushing by the tailgate of this truck, we're pushing up the dirt road. Sure enough, we got it started. But uh, that's so rude, Keith. Come on, I I tried. You made your girlfriend push start your truck. After, <laughs> after that, though, um, in my defense, mm-hmm. and and she hated this thing. Her mom, <laughs> as a birthday present, bought her a Toyota Tercel. I think it was I've heard of those. Um, it wasn't the four x four version, the wagon that we yeah. talked about at the museum, but it was, uh, it was just this boxy little eighties and it was a stick shift. It was a five speed stick. She actually took me out, uh, with her. She's called me mm-hmm. up. She's like, Hey, let's go check out this Toyota. Nice. I'm going to buy it for, you know, the girlfriend, I'm not going to say her name, but she, I'm yeah. going to buy it for her for her birthday. So we go out and we check it out and I'm like, I don't think she's going to want to drive a stick. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. She'll definitely want to drive. And she's like, it's a free car. And I'm like, I don't know. She's yeah. tried to drive my truck, and it didn't work out so well. Well, there's a difference Well, there. yeah. So she bought her that car, nice. and she did drive it poorly for about three months until she blew the clutch out of it. Oh. And that was the end of that car. And Bummer. they decided not to put a clutch in it. And she got an automatic after that. Yeah. She got like a she got a Plymouth Neon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an oldie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, my dad had one of those. Back then it wasn't. Yeah. But um I don't remember the year, but my dad had a Plymouth one. I don't remember why, but I remember we had another one after that that was a neon. All right. That's all I remember. All right, let me rephrase. I'm sorry. That was a Dodge, I mean. Well, they had the Dodge and the Plymouth Neon, yeah. which is weird because they have the yeah. same name for both vehicles. Yeah, that's so. I mean. He had a Plymouth Neon, and then shortly thereafter, a Dodge Neon. Mm. Well, so. so here we are. We're, we're telling these stick stories. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously a benefit of having a manual. This is yes. kind of our yes. manual versus automatic episode, and the reason why episode 53, which... Speaking with, we were talking with Chad at Quick Draw Brand earlier mm-hmm. today, and he pointed out the fact that we failed miserably. Yep, we dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. <laughs> we dropped you a know, few balls here. Our playing on the numbers here, Uh huh. episode 53, you know, if you're going to play with the 53 number, um, one option is you could talk about the ill-fated late 97 or to early 99 53 Cummins block mm-hmm. that was known to just crack and throw the side of the block out yeah but that's pretty much the story at that point i mean yeah. we could sit there i don't know that we could talk an hour about how to repair those things i've never even repaired one personally throw it out and start over well that's the ideal <laughs> there are repair kits that involve this yeah. big tube of jb weld and some bolts and all sorts of crap and i mean i've seen videos on facebook and youtube of people repairing like cracked heads I mean, yeah, grind it down, weld it in, but then you got to remachine the whole it's thing. It's basically oh. the same thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing we could have talked about was the 53 Series Detroit, which yep. was sold as a economy version of the 71 Series. The yeah. pre, pre um, was there an 853, or were those were only six cylinders? I, th- you know, I think there was. I could be wrong on that, but I know that, that they had the 6V53. I knew that one. They had the we um, have one. 
We have one at the museum, yeah. the cutaway engine. Yep. Um, they had the 453. They had the 253. They had a bunch of different yeah. 53 series, which you would think the 53 came before the 71, but the 71 came mm-hmm. first in the Detroit diesels, the two-stroke Detroit diesels. Yeah. And the, the boat that I works on has two of those, eight V71s. Okay, yeah. Good, yeah. Great engines. And I think those, maybe... The size of those engines makes me look small. We can't drop the ball. <laughs> I think for episode 71, we need to do a whole two-stroke Detroit diesel episode. I am so for that. That's what we Absolutely. need to do. So yes. That's what we'll do. We'll cover some of the 53 history at that yeah. point, too. Um, but in 1953, doesn't seem, besides the fact that I had a truck that I had my girlfriend push start. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> does not seem uh, like a very important year. Um, and maybe even to you, it's not that important of a year. No, no. Based you know on where our, I'm our topic. Yeah. yeah, based on our topic. Yeah, no, that, 19... that was a bad year. Again, <laughs> I, I mentioned this to a friend of mine, and he gave us the title for tonight's episode, mm. The Beginning of the End. The Beginning of the I like that. <laughs> now, you got to remind me when we go to type the show notes up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, Jason, this one goes out to you. Thank you. The Beginning of the End. <laughs> yeah. 1953 was the very first year... That you could get an automatic transmission in a civilian pickup truck. Yeah. Now, I'm using that as a, uh, uh, like a, a uh, what would you call that? Uh, disclaimer there. A yeah. civilian pickup truck. Because mm-hmm. um, in a nutshell, or we might as well even just talk a little bit about the history. Because maybe some of our listeners would like to know about the early history of automatics. Mm-hmm. You and I are big fans <laughs> of automatics, but I know about. No, them. so this is going to be an interesting debate, and I know I think we're going to wait till the at least after this first commercial to bring the the special on. We here. still got a minute, here, yeah, though, yeah. right? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just saying. So <laughs> in this would be a very one sided debate, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the late 30s, mm-hmm. multiple companies knew that. Some sort of automatic shifting transmission, they didn't even have a name for it at that point mm-hmm. yet, was going to be the future. part of the future, yeah. yeah. And General Motors started a program and developed what they called the hydromatic transmission. Mm-hmm. There were others that developed various clutchless systems prior to that, but the first fully automatic transmission was the GM hydromatic transmission. Okay. In 1940... Someone to blame. Yeah, there you go. Do we blame General Motors? It's <laughs> yeah. all your fault, GM. It's Ugh. all your fault. I still like your gas trucks, though. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> so, uh, it was a joint venture between Oldsmobile and and uh, Cadillac. Okay. they were The two divisions worked together to develop the hydromatic transmission. However, it was decided because the Cadillacs were like an up-end, higher-end vehicle, and they mm-hmm. weren't 100% sure that this was going to work out. They decided to test the program in the Oldsmobiles first. Okay. So the 1940 Oldsmobile is the first vehicle you can get a first a fully automatic transmission in. Yeah. The following year in 41, you would get them in a Cadillac as well. Okay. Now, in 40 and 41, between the two makes, they sold over 200,000 automatic transmissions, oh, wow. the Hydromatic. Yeah. Uh, pretty successful there. And it was. But then, of course, World War II breaks out. Pearl Harbor, 1941, December 6th, I think, 7th, December 7th, 1941. Well, that seems like something we should really know offhand. I believe so it's December gonna... 7th. December 7th, 1941. Um, you know, the U.S. Uh, Pearl Harbor in Hawaii is bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. enters the war. 
At this point, within about six months, U.S. automobile production stops for civilian use. Hmm. However, GM goes right into building military vehicles. And one of the things that they could do right away was to use some of the technologies that already developed. Yeah. So they took their hydromatic transmission and used it in two tanks that they were building for hmm. the war effort. One of them was the Chaffee tank. I don't okay. I don't know. I don't remember the I don't M know series. about those. But there was there was two. I think one was a Sherman or maybe the other one was a Chaffee, but they had these two fairly light-duty, mm-hmm. high-speed tanks, but they had an automatic hydromatic transmission. See, that's something I never would have considered with a tank, is a manual versus automatic. I don't know why I've never contemplated that. Well, obviously, all the early tanks were manuals, yeah. World War One, And then World War II, uh, they had these two versions that had the hydromatic. Hmm. They were a success. They didn't have many problems with them. And so after World War II, 1945... GM, uh, end of 45, early 46, was able to use actually in their advertising that their automatic transmissions were battle-tested. Ah, and that's actually what they called them, nice. battle-tested automatics. Nice. So the GM Hydromatic. Now, the weird thing about the GM Hydromatic is it didn't have a park provision, hmm. but it was a four-speed automatic, which we didn't see again until the 1970s. Hmm. So it was... They had this four-speed automatic, um, and when you parked it, you put it down into reverse. That was the park engagement. Okay. It. it didn't go anywhere. That worked out great. Well, then the military said, hey, we had such great luck with the um, the tanks. We want to try it in something else. So GM was building the 6 by 6 deuce and a half at the time. Mm-hmm. So for 1950, you could get the GM hydromatic in the deuce and a half, the GMC nice. two and a half ton truck. So that was the first, I guess, rubber-tired vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, a rubber, t- not rubber-tired vehicle, rubber-tired truck. Okay. Would have been the GMC 6x6. So that's why, I know it was kind of a long story there, but that's, yeah, good. that's why, um, when we say civilian versus domestic, the yeah. first time that you could get a civilian automatic was 1953 in GMC only, not Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. GMC and Chevrolet, even though they were using the same cabs... So were they partnered back then? They were. Okay. GMC and Chevrolet were using the same sheet metal, the same cabs, gotcha. the same frames. However, they were using different engine and transmission combinations. Okay. Makes Chevrolet sense. used their own drive line. GMC used their own drive yeah. line. GMC took their... They had a larger straight six. G, um, Chevrolet had a 235 and then prior... Uh, Prior to that, a 216 mm-hmm. straight six. GMC had larger engines, mm-hmm. and they paired that with the hydromatic. And in 1953 was the very first time you could get an automatic transmission nice. in a pickup truck. Like you said, it's the beginning of the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, surviving examples of an automatic and a 53 GMC are extremely rare. I believe it. Now, something we put on this day in off-road history posts... Uh, you could also in 53 get a Napco conversion and get a four-wheel drive Napco conversion, mm-hmm. both the GM and GMC and Chevrolet trucks. I did probably way too many hours, probably two, three hours of research. Go, go rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to find out if any 1953 GMC Napcos exist with a hydromatic transmission. Could not mm. find one. I could not find a picture of one, could not yeah. find records of one. Well, thank so, God for that. <laughs> so was there an automatic 4x4 in 1953? Uh, we don't know. Yeah. 
Now, if there's a listener out there that says, yeah, my uncle's got one. Send us pictures. We want to see it. Absolutely, it might be the yeah. only one out there. In fact, even better, tell your uncle we need to have it at the museum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the Mora, it yeah. needs to be there. Well, how about real, real quick, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back in a few minutes, and uh, we can get back a little more on what's going on with the rest of the show here. Sure, absolutely. So sounds good. We'll see you in a minute. Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard to find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. All right, before you so rudely took and <laughs> uh, cut me off there. Oh, we, I'm sorry. I, I got into the whole history thing. I know. But anyway, so 53. 53, like Bad you year. said, Bad in year. your yeah, beginning <laughs> of the end, in your own words. No, uh, not mine. Not mine. Courtesy of Mr. Jason. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Mr. Jason. Uh, and what's funny is you would think that it would be a trickle effect and it kind of was because Mm -hmm. automatics in pickup truck sales was pretty light up until the mid sixties. And Mm -hmm. then like pretty much after the mid sixties, over half of them were automatics. Yeah. But the very next year, Chevrolet Ford, both offered automatics in their pickup hmm. trucks see i wonder one big thing about then what's that i know how it is when i go from driving my jeep to something else for you know if it's an extended couple of days or whatever or even for start you still have that muscle memory with the left leg how many accidents are caused by people slamming on the brakes those first couple years when the automatics started coming out and people were still reaching for that pedal. Well, true enough. I think I've <laughs> talked about it on the podcast before. Maybe I haven't, or maybe I've told you the story. But um, my first car was a 55 Chevy Bel Air, three-speed mm-hmm. on the column. Drove that car pretty much for about a year and a half, two years without driving anything else. Yeah. And this is the 90s. You know, yep. I mean, this was an antique car at that point. I know the story. Yeah. I love this story. And so... Uh, so I did tell you this before a few times, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think the clutch went out and I was doing the clutch on the car mm-hmm. and, uh, I borrowed my mom's 1980 Oldsmobile station wagon and <laughs> I'm driving down the road. I remember exactly where I was. I was actually right by the Clay Township police station. Mm-hmm. I'm driving by and I just absentmindedly grabbed the shifter because it was a three on the tree in my, in my car, not in her Oldsmobile. Yeah. <laughs> Grabbed the shifter, <laughs> threw it into park at about 40, 45 miles an hour, and jammed. Yep. It had that big 70s, early <clears throat> 80s GM brake pedal that was uh-huh. like the size of a toaster, and just jammed on that with my left fit. So I slammed on the brake and jammed that thing into park doing like 40, 45 miles an hour. And it just made the most awful clicking, screeching sound. Uh-huh. The rear tires locked up. It was it was a whole nightmare. I, I realized my mistake within seconds, threw it back into drive, it seemed to be okay for about two weeks until the trans went out. <laughs> As I recall, weren't, wasn't your mom like on vacation or something and you had to fix this? No, no, no. That, that was when one? I stole the engine out of dad's dump truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Uh, no, but that one, 
That w- that Oldsmobile had a 3.8 Buick engine in mm-hmm. it, same that you have in uh, your Commando. Yeah. Well, uh, or a different somewhat. version. Different version. <laughs> yeah. had the last version of the... Mine's the predecessor to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it had the Buick Olds Pontiac bell housing pattern on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took it to a local shop. They took apart the trans. They said it was not rebuildable. The planetary had exploded. <laughs> oh, really? and it split the case. I wonder why. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and... They they searched everywhere, and I think it had a, like a 200R4. It had like an oddball transmission in yeah. it. They could not find one, so they eventually took a transmission out of a GMC van with mm-hmm. an adapter plate, put it in the Oldsmobile, <laughs> and that's the transmission that they had in it that for the rest awesome. of its life. But That is awesome. Yeah, I love that. I destroyed the trans <laughs> in that Oldsmobile, that poor, poor car. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, hey, Matt, at Brackets, if you're listening, you probably remember <laughs> the old Cutlass I used to drive. Uh, Matt at Brackets is a huge Olds fan. He's yeah. got a bunch of Oldsmobile stuff. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that was how I killed mom's automatic wasn't there something about this and i don't remember if we talked about this on air or just somewhere else we were but as i recall there was something about those engines that the transmissions didn't last past a certain mileage and you were talking to your mom like years after you sold it and then you finally admitted what happened with it you know i i don't remember (laughs) like I did eventually admit to her what happened, yeah. that thing, but it, it took almost like, 20 yeah, that, years. Yeah, it was like, yeah, that thing lasted forever. You know, this and this normally go wrong, and it never did. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I love it. I, I don't remember the first part of what you're talking about, but, yeah, it took me about 20 years yeah. to admit to Mom <laughs> that I destroyed the transmission in her car. I love but, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, was, that's great. <laughs> so, anyways, back to what we're talking about. 1954, they you could get an automatic in. We're talking about pickup trucks specifically mm-hmm. here because passenger cars, like I said, 1940, you could start getting yeah. getting them in. Um, but pickup trucks, you could get them. I I tried to look up Dodges and I got some conflicting information. It looked like around 62 to 64 is when Dodges could first oh, wow. get an automatic. The longest holdout. I had more more appreciation for Dodge. <laughs> There might be a '50s Dodge out there yeah. with with one in it, but I don't know for sure. But it, it did it did look like that it took till the '60s till nice. Dodge um, went on that bandwagon. Yeah. But uh, what's interesting to me is GM had spent uh, or Chevrolet had spent a ton of money, ton of time developing their own automatic, separate from what Oldsmobile and Cadillac had developed. Mm-hmm. They had developed the hydromatic. Chevrolet developed the Power Glide. Okay. However, the first series of Chevrolet trucks had hydromatics in them. The hmm. Power Glide was deemed to be too weak for the pickup trucks. Yeah. Eventually, there were Power Glides in pickups in limited numbers. Yeah. But uh, the uh, hydromatic was the pickup truck version yeah. that they used so for a number I, of years. I got something that's bugged me for a long time, and this seems like a good episode to bring this up in. Sure. I've heard the term, like, automatically shifted manual. Well... What's... Or... People that'll convert an automatic to shift manually. Okay, What's, so the valve... Is, is that something separate, or is it like a mechanical versus hydraulic shifting? What, what's the deal with that? What is it? Gonna depend I, on I have the, no idea. Going to depend on the transmission <clears throat> that you're talking about. Okay. But um, generically speaking, the valve body in an automatic transmission is some form of hydraulically controlled... And or electronic solenoids that control mm-hmm. hydraulic pressure. Okay. And that's your automatic function. Yeah. Internally, 
up until the early 90s, it was all done mechanically. And then in the early 90s, they started to switch over to computers, and the computers yeah. would run the electronic solenoids in the transmission. See, that, that's what's always thrown me. Is I, I always, I mean, I'm, I'm born in the end of the 80s, you know, so anything in my car knowledge has always been the, you know, solenoids or hydraulics with that. I never realized there was anything before that. Yeah, so, like, um, speaking of GM specifically... GM was all hydraulically controlled and a mixture of also a cable that they ran mm-hmm. up through the 700R4 series of transmission, which is the last non-computer controlled automatic transmission. Okay. And it also has the um, designation of that and the 200R4 are the only two overdrive automatics that are not computer controlled. Hmm. So if you're going to build a rig like a Jeep or a, um, a hot rod or whatever, and you want overdrive, which mm-hmm. in this day and age when gas prices are higher, yeah, you pretty much it. want overdrive. <laughs> yeah, That's your only option. Okay. Um, unless you want to run a harness with a computer, nah. you're going to be running a 200R4 or a 700R4. See, I've heard the 700R4s. I just, again, I have no interest in an automatic ever, so I, I don't learn about them. <laughs> exactly. Um, in all my years of tinkering and swapping and building stuff, I mm-hmm. have only ever swapped one. I've never gone stick to automatic. Thank God I have never done that. Yeah. Good, okay. Good, good man. <laughs> good man. <laughs> um, but I have done a. Uh, TH400 three-speed non-overdrive transmission. I have swapped that out because I, I had an 87 Suburban with a 454 big block and a TH400. Mm-hmm. The TH400 went out. Um, it is the only vehicle I have ever gone smaller in size on the engine with. Mm-hmm. I pulled that all out, and I put in a 350 TBI gas engine with a 700 R4. Nice. That was for my ex-wife. She drove yeah. it for a little bit. It was an okay vehicle. It got a lot better mileage with the small block it. and the 700 R4. But, yeah. Um, so, anyways, you know, I'm not a huge automatic trans guy. You're not an automatic trans no. guy at all. I've removed two. You've removed them, huh? Yes. Just threw them away? Well, I sold them. <laughs> I've converted. Um, I, I rescued my uh, my OM617. I rescued out of an automatic Mercedes car. Mm-hmm. And then I, I salvaged out a 94 Grand Cherokee that had okay. the 318. I had a guy from like Grand Rapids, I think, that wanted the transmission. Okay. Came all the way out for that. And yeah, I, I, I had another guy wanted the engine, so I split them. Okay. So yeah, I've removed two. All right. And now, hope to remove more and fix them properly, put a manual in there in the per- future. <laughs> personally, as I think I've talked in the podcast before, mm-hmm. for my own personal use, I have never had an automatic transmission rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my ex-wife, I did. Yeah. Um, we rebuilt an automatic transmission in her GMC Jimmy. Mm-hmm. For me... Every time I've had an automatic transmission vehicle and the trans has gone out, I've pulled it out and gone manual. Good call. Um, I've done that at least a half a dozen times. Yeah. So for me, I know I've gone automatic to manual. But, you know, the argument there, and you and I really can't even argue about it because if we're speaking honestly, is something we've always done on the Wheel and Podcast is we've speaking, you know, there's shows out there where somebody just for the hell of it will play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. We've never really done that. Not in a serious sense. No, I mean, not mess really. Around, but well, yeah. yeah, yeah, mess around a little bit. But I mean, <clears throat> you know, excuse me. 
I'm not going to sit here and say I'm pro-automatic. Just, oh, no, I would just, never say that. Or you would either. I would never lie to our listeners like that. You and I are, exactly, we're both manual yes, transmission fans. 100%. And so uh, I know we, we tried just before the show. Uh, we had somebody we wanted to call who mm-hmm. not necessarily is pro-automatic, but he's gotten more of a uh, automatic. Um, he's got more of the business sense side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we might be able to bring him on to the Patreon after show. Mm-hmm. And if we do, we promise this is going to be probably one of the most interesting Patreon after shows and, we've yeah. ever done. If, if what we're planning goes well, spend the two bucks and watch it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We might even make that one public. Yeah, we might. We might. I mean, um, it, it will be. So yeah, it's, well. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, you know, um, let's let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, mm. I, this was not a huge automatic transmission history. I can speak semi-intelligently about some of the automatic transmissions. I think we would be better for a future episode to talk about good automatics versus bad automatics because I'm more knowledgeable on that. I might be absent that day. Well, no, what I'm saying, not you can still talk about it, but what I'm saying is there is, throughout all of at least the truck and off-road history, there's maybe a dozen automatics that are pretty good automatic transmissions, mm-hmm. and there's just as many that are terrible, and you would never want to swap them in your rig. I believe that. I know there's a couple of those that are, like with the XJs, there's like a good one and a bad one. Well, yeah, like the AW4 and, is a good, yeah. you know, three-speed automatic. What is automatic. like a 32RH or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And that a good example. Yeah. Um, same thing with GM. You know, the 700R4 automatic overdrive mm-hmm. is a pretty decent transmission and still yeah. on, up to about 300 350 horsepower after that you don't want to be you don't want to put a 500 horsepower engine in front of it it's just going to cook that transmission yeah yeah the 200 <laughs> r4 if you've got an absolutely bone stock engine in front mm-hmm. of it it'll probably survive in a lightweight rig mm-hmm. it's a popular swap for guys that do a v6 swap on a suzuki samurai yeah but beyond that, you would not want to put a 200R4 in, say, uh, for example, uh, even a TJ. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to put a 200R4 in a TJ because you're looking maybe 4,000 pounds. You're going to probably cook that transmission on your first run. I believe it. So, you know. But it's TJ. It should never have an automatic anyways. Well, that's, I agree. That's I agree. An that's what I'm saying. It's an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> um, loaded, so, loaded. That's an abomination. <laughs> it was, I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know either, but I think, like I said, future episode. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, 53, like we said, going back to 53, this is episode 53. Don't hit the mic, man. What did yeah, the mic yeah, do yeah. to you? It was, it was the beginning of the end. Now, um, as you and I know, and we spoke on, man, I am drawing a blank right now. We did an episode where we talked about the last automatics, or I mean, sorry, the last manuals. Yep. It was a few ago. Yeah. Um. As we know, in 2010 was the last year for Ford where I've you could blo- get blocked the news from my mind. You could I'm get sorry. a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. GM, I think, could be wrong here. I think it was like 12 or 13 last year for an automatic or manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And then Dodd, well, Ram trucks, because mm-hmm. they eventually became Ram yeah. trucks last year. 2019, the very last six-speed manual mm-hmm. 
Dodge full-size truck rolled yeah. off the line. Hey, you know who's still got manual transmissions, though? Toyota. <laughs> Jeep. Well, Toyota and Jeep. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is full-size trucks, actual <laughs> trucks like you would yeah. use for work. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. that's that's just wrong. And we we've done that in episodes before where we've talked that right yeah. now, in fact, I think Toyota and Jeep are the only two you can get a manual transmission and four wheel drive. And then mm. Nissan, you can get a manual transmission and two wheel drive. That makes me so sad. I know. It's it's they're dying. Oh. They're dying. They're do- They're dead, man. They're dead. I refuse to believe that. I won't let it happen. Well, how are you gonna bring them back? I'll rebuild the old ones. <laughs> I will scrounge and scavenge every scrapyard until I have exhausted the last available parts of the AX-15 if I have to. You know, and, and the funny thing is, is that... And then when those are exhausted, I'll move on to another one. <laughs> a lot of guys don't necessarily know, but I think in the Jeep world, the AX-15 was the pinnacle of the manual transmission. Yes, without um, a doubt. In the full-size world... If you're a five-speed fan, the Anvi 4500 was the pinnacle. Um, Six-speed, maybe the G56 or the MV5600. But I don't know much about the the six-speed ones. I'm sorry, not the MV6, the the ZF6. Yeah, I don't know much about the six or the six-speeds, but yeah, I mean the Jeep ones, obviously, I know. Yeah, and you know um, what's interesting to me is the MV4500 out of production. Mm-hmm. The AX15 though is still being produced. They brought it back. It was out for a while, but they brought it That's back. That's what I'm saying. That's the key. Only as a replacement, but <clears throat> yeah. you can still get a brand new uh-huh. AX15. What it, does that tell you about the longevity, reliability, and just overall popularity of that one versus everything else? Too? Same thing goes with the Toyotas. The H55 yeah. 5-speed, I believe the last year in foreign markets, Australia, Africa, mm-hmm. you could get an H55 5-speed. was somewhere around 2016 or 17. Yeah. You can still get a brand spanking new one from a Toyota dealer in the U.S. You can walk into a U.S. dealer and say, here's the part number. I need this transmission. And it might take a month to get there. Yeah. But you can get a brand spanking new H55 5-speed. That's awesome. You know, I mean, that's, you know, there's still a lot. And then look at what really was interesting to me was that the new Jeep JK, Mm -hmm. not JK, JL. Yeah. The new JL, when it came out, now has a seven-speed manual transmission. How did I not know about that? They took the time to design a whole new manual transmission. They replaced that GS360 or whatever it's called. They now have a seven-speed. It's behind a four-cylinder turbo engine, not available Hmm. behind the diesel, but you can get a manual transmission. I thought the six-speed was going to be the end of the run. Yeah. They now have a seven-speed. I'm going to have to look into that. I know nothing about that. I've never even heard or fathomed of that. Yeah, it's just one more gear for you to swap or shift now. And a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I think producer Andrew's telling us it's break time. Yeah, yeah. I think we've gone way over. Yeah, it's um, okay. We'll wrap up after this, but folks, thank you for listening. We're going to oh, yeah. talk a little more after I break. Like we'll see you in a minute. Puppies are cute. <laughs> 
Spiders are not. Spiders are creepy and ugly. But what will you do? You will call ABC Home and Commercial Services. The Spider Fighters can service your home for these unwelcome guests. ABC Spider Fighters will provide the solution for your spiders, wasps, box elder bugs, Asian lady beetles, cluster flies, and all your visiting insects. Call now for a prepaid discount. ABC Home and Commercial. The Spider Fighters. 810-794-5678. So what's uh what's with the shirt here? You run out of your thin line off road stuff already or something? Yeah, well, I probably did. Uh, <laughs> I've been wearing my TLO stuff. Um, and so, did just, you finally wash it? Because that smell that was here when I first got here is gone. So I'm wondering yeah, if that wasn't yeah, you, maybe. You know, I, I, I maybe I haven't taken a shower in like I don't know, well, 24 hours. But I'm sure they can probably notice pr- that there too. Oh, man, <laughs> uh, no, um. You know, I just, I, I ran up before this episode. I was still wearing my work clothes. I mm-hmm. still haven't showered from the day. And I reached in to grab something black, and I saw this. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. I'll throw this on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the symbol um, I'm showing to our YouTube listeners, 86 Noodles. They're a southeastern Michigan local band. They, they're kind of a cover band. They do a lot of 80s, 90s, yeah. early 2000s rock. You've seen them in person. Yeah, they're they're awesome group. Great music. They do a they, very good job. They have got they're, to be one of the most good show. high energy band. I mean, yeah. um, they, they jump around like crazy. And um, it's Joe and Dave. Uh, it's funny because Joe and Dave Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I never thought of that. Yeah, like the Dave Matthews nice. band. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, their, nice. their band is 86 Noodles, and we've nice. seen them in person. Uh, personally, I've seen them probably 20 times. Uh, I don't I know. I think I'm many, at like three now. Three or four or something. Yeah, I've been yeah, with yeah. you guys a few times. So, yeah. yeah. So. Um, great band. Uh, they gave me one of these t shirts a while ago. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite black t shirts. And nice. uh, they got a cool logo. It's kind of got like the Medusa on it. Yeah, I like and, it. And. Oh, I don't know. Cool. Mine band. is uh, gray. Well, yes, you have the Carhartt brand. Yeah, actually, yes. did you know that the Carhartt Mansion is just north there? I did not. Yeah, the lady that owns Carhartt. Can I, can I get a discount if I pick my shirts up there, rather than order online yeah, or like I Tractor know. Supply? I, and this <laughs> is probably like ten years, so maybe things changed. But like oh. ten years ago, um, the lady who owned Carhartt, she had a mansion like hmm. forty miles north of here on the on the lake. It That's cool. cool. Yeah. So. Nice. Uh, my dad's company used to service some stuff out nice. there. So. Nice. But anyways, back to our automatic manual stuff. All right, I, that's we, what we were doing. We covered pretty much everything. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, no, we didn't really talk about pros and cons on the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning of the episode, we talked about how you can bump start a... Bump, I see what yeah, you did yeah, there. Yeah, 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 bumping my mic. Um, <laughs> again. <laughs> again. You can bump start. Someday we need these headsets or something, man. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, you can bump start a manual transmission if you have no power or mm-hmm. whatever. You can starters out. You can bump start it, and I've yeah. done that on the trail several times. In fact, I was in Northern Canada once in my old GMC Jimmy that was on one ton axles, mm-hmm. and the starter fried. Oof. I had somebody pull start me, and I drove that thing. Wheeled it hard <laughs> for like twenty miles till I got back to a Canadian tire. Nice. And replaced the starter. Nice. Which by the way, I hope that Canadian Tire will someday be a sponsor of Wheeling. <laughs> but your prices on the starter for a nineteen ninety three GMC Jimmy are astronomical. I well, can get it's one in Canada, yeah. Yeah, I can get one in the United States for like ninety bucks. 
You guys charge me like four fifty Canadian, which is like yeah. three hundred US. That's why everybody near Port Huron comes to Port Huron to get all their parts. That is the most money I've ever spent yeah. on a starter, and I bought starters the, for diesels. The the place that I worked at, uh, the the car dealer, mm-hmm. we have I think it was like three or four customers that come from Canada for vehicle servicing and repairs. Yeah, and certain repairs we have to actually find the Canadian like requirements on. Oh, okay. Because they're they're different than here. It's crazy, I, but it's that much cheaper. It's worth it for them to make that drive. Yeah, save two hundred dollars. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, they sit there for like three four hours on some of these repairs, waiting for everything to be done, and it's still cheaper. Yeah, it's no, sad. That was, that was, whatever. We whatever, won't get into the politics. Whatever, yeah, that, not there. <laughs> if you want some politics, listen to the Patreon after show to this yes. episode, episode fifty three after so, show. I'll, I'll say a quick hint of this: some of you may see this live. Some mm-hmm. of you may not. So if you're not seeing, you know, if you're... Not this episode live. No, no, the next part. The Patreon episode. Yeah, the Patreon. Show. If you see that before you hear this episode, that's why. Yeah. But this gonna, will still be available. We're going to attempt to go live. We're going to have we're some gonna fun We're going to try something new and different, and hopefully it doesn't completely, totally backfire. Oh, yeah, it might. <laughs> it I mean, could. but I mean, you know, that's It'll be interesting. Doing. It'll be interesting, to say the least. I mean, it could backfire like my 1985 Omni did and damn near burned to the ground. Oof. That doesn't sound fun. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, I guess wrapping up this episode, um, you know, if you're a listener, that Johnny and Orange and I are big fans of manual transmissions. But we would like to hear your argument for one way or the other. If you're like... A hardcore automatic guy or gal, or you're a hardcore manual guy or gal, and you have your reasons, we would like you to go on 4x4 Talk on Facebook. Join the 4x4 Talk Facebook group. It's growing every Mm -hmm. single day. Join that group and be like, hey, you guys are wrong. Automatics rock. Here's why. <laughs> and show us. Show us some pictures. We love action pictures. Oh, yeah. You know, if you got pictures of you out in the mud or the rocks or whatever, if you could say, hey, I would have never gotten through this with a manual or I would have never gotten through this with an automatic, show us. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you are doing with your transmission. Um, that is the biggest difference in a rig. I mean, you know, we all build axles pretty similarly. Yep. We build engines, but it seems to be one. Of, I mean, it's like the Republican and Democrat <laughs> of the off-road yeah. world is automatic versus manual. I like that analogy. I really do. You do. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's a very divisive. Well, I'll, I will say this much about it. Had I had a man or an auto, I probably wouldn't have made it home today. Mm. I mean, it, it would have been a long drive. Yeah. Because the, the only way I was able to keep that thing going was coast a little downshift and try and run it high idle. Well, And that's the only thing that kept it going at a few points. Let, let, so. me, let me say this. I have wheeled a multitude of vehicles. Mm-hmm. I've never hardcore, like none of my quote-unquote wheeling rigs have ever been automatics. Mm-hmm. But I have wheeled three vehicles moderately that had automatics. Mm-hmm. My first one that I ever wheeled with an automatic, I had a 1988 F350 Ford <laughs> with a 460 big block and a C6 automatic. Now, that is a bulletproof automatic. Yeah. I only took it on really one big, but maybe two wheel and runs. Mm-hmm. The automatic never failed me. Yeah. Great automatic. 
Um, the engine failed me, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, and shout out to Jim Kitson there for pulling me out of the mounds off-road park. Um, my second automatic that I took off-road was my 1996 FZJ80, uh, well, I say Land Cruiser, it was a Lexus LX450. Mm-hmm. They had the factory selectable lockers front and wheel, nice. rear. We took that rig all up over grailing, the tank trails, things like that. My biggest complaint with an automatic in that one was it seemed doggy. Now, those vehicles are not known for a lot of power. Yeah. But I felt, and I always felt, that that thing, if it would have had a manual, I would have had a little more guts to get up hills and stuff. Yeah. Had 410 gears in the axles. It had the lockers. It was pretty respectable rig. Yeah. But that automatic, I felt that just held me back that like 5%, you mm-hmm. know? The last one is Project Excursion. Project Excursion is still rocking the 4R100 automatic, which mm-hmm. is a pretty decent automatic transmission. Yeah. But that's the one that's giving me the most problem on the trail. I think maybe I talked on a previous podcast. We were up, or let's say up, we were west side of Michigan. We were running a bunch of sandy trails. We were tail gunning for a group of quads, four wheelers, um, go karts, things like that. ATVs, UTVs, kind of. Yeah, thing. whole yeah. bunch of. We were tail gunning. We had a couple kids in the back that couldn't ride the the ATVs. Mm-hmm. We were tail gunning. Uh, they were going so fast we couldn't run them for low. We had to run them for high. Mm-hmm. And we ended up overheating the transmission so badly, we puked out all 15 quarts or whatever that thing holds of ATF. We ended up having to hitchhike, literally hitchhike via cell phone CB and a couple of like, hey, what are you doing? 15 miles back. Hey, mister, that. (laughs) Yeah. Back to a a store. Nice. Bought a case of ATF, overpriced because it was like this country store, you know. Came back, filled her up. And it survived to this day, although sometimes it slips <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't like going in reverse. Hmm. But we're talking almost 100,000 miles later. Yeah. But Project Excursion See, doesn't. If it had a manual, it probably wouldn't have overheated. Would not have. <laughs> would not have. I guarantee if I had swapped that ZF6 that I wanted to into mm-hmm. that, we would have not had that problem. But knock on wood, man, she got it. It, well, it, it got you through it. It did it got what it needed through, to do. It got us back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those are the only three automatics, and yet. Over the years, I have wheeled with Suzuki Samurai 5-speeds and V4500s. I've yeah. wheeled with uh, AX15s. Um, I'm trying to think of any uh, way back in the day, old Willys 3-speeds, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, for me, I'm a manual guy. Yeah. And always have been. Once I learned, I mean, that that is... So I remember as far back, and I briefly remember talking about it one episode, the first thing I think I ever drove was that old Dakota. That was an automatic. Yeah, I know. That's what I used to own yeah. it. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> that, that was, you know, I, I didn't even have my learner's permit or anything at the time. Oh, okay. It was all on the back roads or driving in, you know, the field over at Grandpa's and okay. the thing. The first thing I ever drove, I mean, it was still technically illegal. I didn't have a permit or anything. Sure. I learned how to drive Project XJ. You know, in the fields, and I, I used to drive that, and I live in the middle of nowhere, so some down the back roads to my buddy's house or other places, that was the first thing I learned, and from then forward, that's what I've always loved. And yeah, 
almost anything else I've driven besides my Jeeps was automatic. Okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, it always comes back to that. Yeah. You know, that that's what I really learned and got experience driving first was that. You know, that mindset's always there. And there was an instance, you know, in the truck, my buddy and I were hauling a load of scrap to the scrapyard. And I'm coming up a hill. So I've got some decent speed coming up this hill. And it was quite literally a church bus full of people last second decided to just make the turn into the bank. And I slammed my left foot down so hard, my buddy starts laughing. My right foot hit the brake. And, I mean, everything locked up, is screeching, all the metal slammed forward, scratched the crap out of the cab. And thank God, or whoever deity anybody follows, that bus decided last half a second to swerve back into their lane or i would have collided into a bus you know a church bus full of people i've never had my heart racing so fast in my life as that moment and you know we get through the you know i'm laying on the horn and all this and we get through the intersection and run away calm down and my buddy Mm -hmm. goes i heard that says what he goes i heard you slam that left foot right into the floor i thought you went through it you, Just, know, you, you build up that muscle memory. That's what you do. We have a um, a mutual friend, mm-hmm. uh, Jason. Not the Jason you're thinking no, of. The, the Jason yeah. that sits on the board. Yep. I admittedly, I drive like an ass sometimes. <laughs> and so when he's riding shotgun, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen him slam his... L- and he hasn't <laughs> driven a stick regularly uh-huh. in probably seven years. Yeah. I'll see him jam his left foot and then his right foot down to the floorboard. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> my quick other side story, my Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember a story from him. He was driving around town with his girlfriend and he, he was, I don't remember the vehicle he was in. It was after his focus and it was an automatic though. Okay. And he was sitting at the intersection and, you know, he's sitting there and the car's just revving up. And he's like, what the hell? It's not going. Well, when he got there, he just instinctively, you know, shoved the stick into neutral. Mm-hmm. And then when he tried to go, he had grabbed a pop bottle. <laughs> tried oh, to shit the pop oh bottle. man. Sitting there going nowhere, and then he realized what he did, and he put it in drive, and he was fine. <laughs> you know, I, I'll end it on this. Um, you know, we've talked on the show before about how um, I've done a lot more wheeling trips than you have. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Not comparing or anything, but... No, you, you've got many more years of wisdom. You call me old? No. Uh-huh. I, I said you're a lot smarter than me. You I've, have a lot more knowledge than I I've do. probably been, um, I don't know, conservatively 40 or 50 wheeling trips in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, of all those wheeling trips, I have seen a transmission failure probably a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Every single time it's been an automatic, with exception of a clutch failure in my own rig up <laughs> in Marquette, up in the UP. My buddy Bernie, who I know is a listener, rescued me. Nice. Um, but uh, that was, you know, I don't know, man. A dozen for one? Uh, it seems like the odds are... I, I like that ratio. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they seem to be more reliable yeah. on the trail. Yeah, but, just uh, a bit. <laughs> ending on that, uh, John, I see you got your sheet. Yep. Anything else you want to say? 
Uh, just make sure you tune into Patreon this time afterwards uh, for the after show. So we might make this one available for everybody as well as our Patreon listeners still, of course. Sure. Um, just tune into that and hopefully it's going to work how we're planning it and it's going to be a good time. The best laid plans, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We've never been known to be real accurate. Yeah. You know, we're going to wing it. And we're going to see what happens. Sure. I kind of live by that. What principle. else you got, buddy? So. Nothing but on that note, I'll say if you do have any questions or comments about any of our episodes or this one, feel free to join our 4x4 Facebook page, 4x4 Talk page on Facebook, I'm sorry. Correct. And leave us a comment or your question. You can find out, just quick search 4x4 Talk, join the page, a couple quick questions get you on there, and we'll go from there. Um, again, as we just mentioned, make sure to check out patreon.com slash radio. Access as low well as $2 a month, get access to a lot of cool stuff. And then if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button at the bottom of the video and subscribe so you see more future content from us. And as always, and of course, thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody. Can I add one more? Yeah. Something you you don't have on your page there. If people are interested, we talk a lot of history stuff. If you're interested in um, 4x4 history, the Facebook group 4x4 Museum. Okay. Check that one out. Yeah. It has just about as many members as 4x4 Talk. Excellent. Um, enter that one, and you see a lot more history posts on there. Good call. Good call. Well, check it out, and let us know what you think. <laughs>